What is going on, fellow streamers? Welcome back to another episode of Streamer Season, the official TV and movie podcast for streaming platforms on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's KB and Dylan coming at you from Underground Studios and an anthill, if you will, because Dylan is house-sitting at his aunt's house. Yes, sir. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's an anthill. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yes, dad puns. You love them. Dad jokes. Uh, we've got a lot to get into this episode. We're going to go with our scene-by-scene -scene breakdown of everybody's favorite show on the Disney Plus right now, The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5, uh, or could it be titled something else for this chapter? We'll get into all of that. We're going to get into Peacemaker, Episode 4, and of course, all your favorite streaming platform, multiverse news and notes throughout the streaming platform multiverse but before we get started big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen tomahawk shades the best small batch eyewear in the game you guys can go to tomahawkshades.com promo code usp at checkout for 25 percent off your order and dylan i don't know if you saw this but tomahawk snow is officially live hey the first pair of ski slash snowboard goggles are available at tomahawkshades.com. I can't wait for Dom to buy a pair and wear them every single place he goes. Uh, but the fun part is, Dylan, our promo code works on the new Tomahawk Snow line, which is it has a really badass name. I'm going to pull it up here Isn't for the that people. Just convenient it's awesome for anybody listening right it's now. it's great and this is a quote from company owner one of the owners of Tomahawk Snow and Tomahawk Shades in general Chris Hogan he is on the record saying quote I can't believe we're selling these for less than $150 the Vista X1 snow goggles available at TomahawkShades.com for $145 and when you go to check out and you use our promo code USP not only do you get the free shipping because it's over $75. And then if you spend a little bit more for $175, you get a free gift. Uh, but if you just get the Vista X1 snow goggles, $145, free shipping, plus our promo code, knocks it down 25%. Dylan, all you're paying is $108.75 for these badass awesome. snow goggles. And if you're a first-time uh, purchaser from that website, they give you a gift, I believe. Yep, you, know, you sign up for the... For the rewards program, I'm gonna pull these up for you, Dylan, so you can take a look at them. Yeah, they are them. brand new. Uh, they look awesome, and here we go. Let's see. I wear here. their blue light glasses at work quite often. <laughs> it's an ad, both in an ad. Uh, oh yeah, those are pretty sweet looking. They got I the Tomahawk logo there. on the strap. I'm gonna. I'll have to look into it. Uh, I need. I need a new pair. My one pair cracked. So uh, Dylan could be rocking the uh, Tomahawk shades soon. Dylan Dom. <laughs> the Vista X1 snow goggles. Go get them now. Tomahawkshades.com. Promo code USP for 25% off at checkout. Of course, our pals over at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka get the Surfside iced teas at StatesideVodka.com. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. And Dylan's favorite beverage of choice when he's watching Peacemaker, Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap in the Philadelphia area. You must be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And linked in the description of the pod as well, use our affiliate link. We're working on getting the promo code situation sorted out. 
Uh, but use our affiliate link to help support the show at binyoboard.com. Really helps us out big time. Cool ones, ladies. And they got some great ones. stuff. It's a it's a nice little you know in between shows like you you know Wednesdays you're watching the Book of Boba Fett, and then you're chilling waiting on Thursday for Peacemaker to drop. Uh, I wanted to bring it into work, but I'm not sure if they would. Uh, <laughs> it's a fun it's a fun party game. Binyoboard.com. Use our affiliate link linked in the description of every podcast episode. But Dylan, let's get into it. The Book okay. of Boba Fett Chapter Five review. Or should we say The Mandalorian, Season 3, Episode 1? The Book of Mandalorian. (laughs) The Book Uh, of Din. Um, There wasn't even a single shot of Boba Fett in this episode. Boba was nowhere to be found in this this chapter of his book. uh, The fifth episode of The Book of Boba Fett, titled Return of the Mandalorian, directed by... I think one of you and I's favorite directors from season two of The Mandalorian, Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, She's phenomenal. Uh, And, of course, Bryce Dallas Howard directing this episode. You knew there was going to be at least a name drop of one Bo-Katan, which there was. Um, But the official description on Disney Plus for this episode, Dylan, is an unexpected ally emerges. And uh, he emerged real quick with it. Uh, so chapter five, Return of the Mandalorian opens with the return of Din Djarin. Uh, he's still collecting bounties, though he now uses uh, a certain sum, which we'll get to in just a second. But we open up in a butcher shop, Dylan. <laughs> butcher shops. I don't know about you, but I was watching this and I was like, where's is Rocky Balboa training right now? So it did look like the one scene in which Rocky trains. In a, <laughs> yes, I'm eating right now, people. So I sound a little whatever. Um, and also, <laughs> just so like mob Italian esque, like the fucking which is very book of Boba Fett. Where's the freaking gabagool? I was waiting for some little guy, like little alien named Vinny, to come out and be like, "Hey, what you doing here, pal?" <laughs> My cousin Vinny. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're in this butcher shop. I was waiting for Sylvester Stallone to pop out. Uh, as this week's celebrity cameo, because obviously the last two weeks we've had big time celebrity appearances with uh, Danny Trejo and then Thundercat last week, but uh, the big celebrity cameo was one Pedro Pascal Din Djarin. Uh, so we open up here. We're, we got those bulldog looking aliens that we've uh, referenced them as, and uh, he ends. He's you know still collecting bounties. And he's going in to collect a bounty on a guy that he's talking to. Well, because his kid's at daycare now. <laughs> yeah, he can, he's back out on the road. He's on tour. Uh, and then, you know, he comes into the, the meatpacking plant on a ring world looking for Acaba Baez. And I was like, is that is he related to Javi Baez, new Detroit Tiger shortstop? Uh, and a fight obviously ensues because that's what Mando does best. During the battle, you know, he's in there doing his thing, and I was like, damn, like, I wonder if he still has the Darksaber, because he obviously got that last season. He he, still uh, has the Darksaber. And he still got that thing. When he whipped that out, I was like, let's go! Like, I was was very excited to see that he still had the Darksaber, because when Mando shows up, and it's immediate in this episode, it's, it's almost like, okay, let's get the mindset of, how is this going to set plot points up for the Mandalorian season three? Because it could have gone one of two ways where if he didn't have the dark saber, what the hell happened or two, he still has it. And it's like, okay, 
we we have a way to kind of fo- no pun intended this is the way uh <laughs> to kind way. of follow things through from where things ended in season two of the mandalorian yeah that's a great point i mean it's good it's good reassuring and reconfirming like that's the direction they're going and when you see him have the dark saber it's also interesting because you, you didn't see that much carnage or violence with a dark saber yet in live mm-hmm. action until that very moment i mean we saw limbs be dismembered we saw some stabbing it's like instant killing it was awesome yeah but he got awesome. split in half with the dark saber yeah. and then we also saw din hurt himself with the dark saber. yeah which i thought was i didn't pick up on it at first until we get later on in the episode but when you go back and watch that opening fight scene you can kind of see like it's difficult for him to like wield the dark saber and to be using it like it looks heavy um, yeah i was gonna say it looks heavy and i think he's also hesitant because I mean, it'd be the same thing like if you or I were in Star Wars or anyone listening, right? Mm-hmm. If you were in like if you lived in Star Wars and you found oh, I heard the cat. It's coming to get me. Have you heard uh have you heard like or not heard? If you picked up a lightsaber and tried wielding it, the lightsaber might be light, but it might be heavy. I, I read like things about this. And also, Kyle, you and I are smart. We'd be hesitant to swing that sucker around because if you overextend, you're gonna come back and chop your own arm off. It's the same thing with the dark saber. The dark saber is powered by the same crystals that power a lightsaber. Um, the dark saber is literally just a Mandalorian's version of a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so no, I, I think it shows. Yeah, it's heavy, and I think it shows he's inexperienced with like that kind of weapon. Right, and obviously we know the the backstory if you've watched the Clone Wars, which Dylan and I both have, uh, and then obviously everything with the Mandalorian. Like you have to be worthy of wielding the dark saber. You have to win it in combat, all that good stuff, which we'll get into later it's in this deal. episode. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a big deal, and and Din obviously whips out the Darksaber, he keeps that motherfucking thing on him, uh, he wins the fight against all these, uh, these bulldog faces, uh, that look like Star Wars version of the mug root beer dog, in my opinion, um, well, it's a good comp, <laughs> but he Didn't accidentally, now, yeah, now I kind of can't get it out of my head, so put now. a, put a frosty mug in one of their hands, and you've got, uh, you know, the, the Star Wars mug root beer dog. Uh, but then Din, obviously, like we said, he injures himself and ends up burning himself pretty bad with the dark saber. Uh, that thing was pretty gruesome with that injury. Um, so he takes Bias's head to his client in exchange for information. He follows the directions given to him to the ring world's underside where he finds somebody we haven't seen in quite some time and somebody we haven't talked about on this podcast because our our episode-by-episode episode breakdowns of shows started with The Mandalorian Season 2. Hell yeah. so we've never talked about The Mandalorian Season 1, which we might have to do once Season 3 comes out. We just do a full-blown rewatch and everything like we've talked about. Uh, okay, but we come across the Armorer, who we have not seen since Season 1 of The Mandalorian. And uh, the Armorer is also with Paz Vizsla. Um, <coughs> John Favreau. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy Hogan. Uh, he explains where he got the Darksaber, why he's wielding it. The armor tells Din about the history of the Darksaber, explaining that uh, its wielder has a claim to leadership of Mandalore, but it must be earned by victory in combat, which if you guys watch the Clone Wars, you know that backstory, which is why Dylan and I have suggested uh, to watch the Clone Wars, because it adds so much context and just added value to the Mandalorian and now to the book of Boba Fett uh, when you watch all seven it's, seasons. It's just context that you wouldn't get otherwise. It's similar 
when you read a franchise like mm-hmm. Harry Potter and you watch it, and now you're also watching the new ones, you can feel involved in the new books as well because you can, like, you know everything. You know I mean, like, you know what happened in the background, and the movie didn't show that. Same thing with Star Wars. If you watch the Clone Wars, you know what events led up to this and what caused this, etc. And it gives you a broader. It's just more. It's just more world building, I guess. And it makes you appreciate what happens in the Mandalorian and now the Book of Boba Fett that much more because you have so much extra context. No, yeah, everything. And it's just how big Star Wars is. I mean, it's literally space. Yeah. Paz Vizsla challenges Mando to a duel, uh, like it's Yu Gi Oh, uh, for the Dark Saber, which he loses. Uh, After the fight, the armor asks Paz and Din if they had removed their helmets. Uh, or had their helmets removed by someone else? Din tells the armor that he has had his helmet, re- that he has removed his helmet. Yeah, he didn't, uh, didn't help himself out there. It's kind of like when you get caught and you're a kid, like in the act of doing something you're not supposed to, mm-hmm. and you just sit there and go. Oh, Din got oh. caught stealing from the cookie jar. Uh, <laughs> He's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was very Shaggy esque. Uh, and begs for her forgiveness. She tells him that on- the only way for him to be redeemed is in the waters beneath the mines of Mandalore itself. However, Din says those mines have been destroyed. And then uh, the armor also says... <laughs> I just, I'm thinking of what you said. And to my interpretation, it's basically her saying, you're fucked. You're yep, fucked. You're, and like before that, she said, well, well, you're no longer a Mandalorian. Like, you're done. You're, you're excommunicated from well, our, our tribe. We learn that the creed they follow is not something that a lot of Mandalorians followed, or other Mandalorians and Bo Katan and her followers. They did mm-hmm. not follow the helmet thing. So don't get upset or overthink it. It's not the end of the Mand- Mandalorian being right. Mandalorian. It's only the beginning. It's uh, the end of him being with this weird cult group of Mandalorians, hopefully, because Favreau's character, they literally foreshadowed it when he first walked in. He looked him up and down and like looked at the saber, and you could it would just visually insinuate insinuated that he wanted the saber, mm-hmm. which he obviously did. And then, like, what purpose? I don't even be mean, but like, they don't. There's there's no one there because they lost everyone in the sacrifice. And Favaraz was giving me serious Death Watch vibes. Yes, yeah, similar armor to like Bo Katan and her whole crew from season two as well. Like that blue. More so, tinted... like the more merciful ones just kill people. But mm-hmm. very Death Watch. Yes, very Death. Which Bo Katan was also a part of for a little a while. bit. Um, I guess we'll see how that plays out. But it almost feels like he's now made more enemies. Yes and no, and I'll give you a theory on something that when we get further along here in the breakdown, but uh, I forget. I don't know if you remember either. Did they show the uh, the mines, like the waters beneath the mines of Mandalore in the Clone Wars? I don't remember. I didn't remember that being like a thing when I was watching the episode, but... If it was, and we're just forgetting, excuse us, apologies. They usually uh, just they usually just dealt with like on the surface stuff. Yeah, you know, when they were on Mandalore, or a lot of times they had Mandalorians in the show, but they weren't on Mandalore. Or they were, you know, following Obi Wan's relationship status. <laughs> yeah, that boy broke the Jedi code like several times. Hell yeah! Uh, I mean, <laughs> so Din boards a commercial transport to Tatooine, uh, and has to take off all his. Yeah, weaponry bro, and everything. Here. My boy Din's riding in Spirit Airlines. <laughs> My man 
Dude, I I felt him when uh, he was taking everything off because I was like, oh, I do this every week when I go to the Wells Fargo Center to go cover the wings because I have to take literally everything off of me. Uh, were you nervous that the dark saber was going to go missing? And it, 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 it insinuated that this shady, was... this shady like spotty like tr- public transportation in Star Wars, like ew. And then it's like I'm, I'm public transportation is ill. <laughs> Like, oh, in Star Wars it is. All yeah. the cool characters we've grown up with and seen in recent years have their own starships or starfighters. Um, which, is, I guess, is a cool angle to explore, like how the common, like, peasant person uh, makes their rounds in Star Wars. Um, but no. It's a Star Wars Scepter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Spirit Airlines, like I said. Uh, no, I definitely didn't think he was getting it back. And he also has... Not as much, but he used to have a serious disdain and distrust of droids. Um, I think he's come a long way in self-growth in that department. But that's where I also agree with what you just said. Like, it was like the shady transport ride. He has all those valuables. You know, he has literally best car missiles and, like, uh, a Darksaber. And also a droid's taking it from him. And I was like, oh, this is the creators, like, slapping him in the face. And then... Nothing came about. He just went on a nice little ride, and we saw him have a adorable little Grogu, uh, <laughs> like ears essentially. Like that was face. so cool. That was one of the coolest Easter eggs. That was like in your face almost, where he got the, uh, you know, his his reward for the bounty, and it was you know tied up in. Uh, well, no, that was when the the saber the uh, spear was uh, forged down, and it kind of looked like chainmail almost that the armor made out of that spear. So I'm hoping Grogu is just coming through looking like one of the knights of the round table when Din <laughs> delivers uh, whatever it is in there, and it looked like Grogu's head. Uh, so Grogu is always with us. I'm hoping it's either armor or I'm hoping it's going to be like a lightsaber hilt. That'd be sick too. Because then it would be a lightsaber hilt that can't be slashed by another lightsaber. Because they also did bring up that... Paz Vistla's, like, ancestor was a Mandalorian and a Jedi. Which I think was a subtle, like, clue, like, Grogu about to be the same thing. It's gonna get any bigger, though. <laughs> it's gonna stay, <laughs> it's gonna stay adorable size. No, that's, that's, a good, that's a good little... Look at you doing your homework, mister. Flexing those brain muscles. Someone ate their Wheaties this morning. You know me. Uh, <laughs> so then the uh, Din obviously boards. He has a, a moment with a, another Greedo alien. Uh, I was wondering who was going to shoot first, but then I was like, damn it, Din doesn't have a gun, so this kid's going to destroy him. Uh, <laughs> Kyle is advocating for Pedro Pascal to shoot a unarmed child. And never said I advocated for it. I was just being prepared for it. The Septa gets wild in the stars. Kyle, we can we, Kyle is a noted hater of the Rodians now. Blast that child! Well, that one red one that uh, was was linked up with the Tuscans, he was kind of an asshole. I don't trust him. I don't like the way he looks. I keep one eye open when I see them Rodians. Uh, so Din boards a commercial uh, transport to Tatooine where Pelimoto, one of my favorite new Star Wars characters, uh, 
has a replacement, quote unquote, for the Razor Crest. And there were rumors swirling around that like this whole scene was going to be happening, but I avoided it at all costs because I wanted to be surprised at what it was, and I'm glad I avoided it. Um, shout out to uh, Children of the Watch. They like brought it up. There was rumors circulating, but they didn't actually say what uh, the ship was going to be. They just said it was going to be smaller than the Razor Crest. What a, what a surprise. Uh, because as it turns out, the ship that uh, Pelimoto had for Din, it's an old N1 Starfighter, Dylan. How stoked were you when you saw her just uncover that thing? I was, like, giddy as a clam. I was giddy, too. I mean, I personally, I know it's with Star Wars spaceships, it's hit or miss in terms of preference, like what you like. I always think they look sick. I think they looked cool in the, in, in the first Star Wars in which we see Anakin. Uh, fly one accidentally on purposely and destroy a whole god darn <laughs> ship. I was, I was gonna say covenant ship like I was playing Halo. Ooh, uh, destroy destroy a droid ship. Um, so I've always liked them. The yellow stuck out. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like red in terms of like Ferrari. You know, like you know, I would you wouldn't expect to see many probably yellow ships. Um, Naboo is an affluent like atmosphere country. You know, it's mm-hmm. like rich. Uh, ties and blood, so that also goes with the ship. And uh, I knew they were fast, but the the show takes a spin on that and adds aftermarket, and we get to see it <laughs> awesome. Like that's what I want to fly. She Screw having she, a big ship. She um, uncovered that thing, and I was like, I have a great faith in the boy, Annie. <laughs> Annie, Annie, my boy. Annie. Uh, no, it's a. Uh, it was awesome seeing that. It was just cool because like. You knew if there was a ship there like that, she was unreva- unavailing. You knew it had to be an older ship mm-hmm. from like the first two Star Wars, uh, like you know, Phantom Menace and the uh, quote unquote prequels. Yeah, I'm saying first in terms of sequentially, like right? Not, uh, because those are pre-Republic, as they always say, or whatever, and they're off the grid. So you knew it was gonna be an older ship. I got excited. I thought it was gonna be like a first generation x-wing for a second because it kind of looked like it with the, with the way the tarp was over it mm-hmm. and then right before she unrevealed it i was like that's a naboo starfighter and then i was like holy shit and i was like it's not yellow either so it's cool i also like that it's like matte black junk mm-hmm. cyberpunk like steampunk aesthetic there yeah it's like the mods uh yeah, awesome. so they go full-blown, like, Fast and Furious, like, you know, Saturday morning, you're sitting and your dad has, like, the car shows on, and they're just rebuilding this thing. <laughs> also, I don't, was that droid, does she have that, I, I brought the off-air, that, that droid, she called it BD, and that's exactly what Cal Kestis calls it in The Force Unleashed. I don't know if that's, like, an Easter egg, or if, I mean, I think, I think that droid is called, like, a BD something, but... I just genuinely forget if it was in the last season because it's kind of a smaller detail and my brain doesn't work uh, as well as it used to. Um, but if it wasn't in the last season, that, that is an Easter egg because there was rumors swirling around. Uh, well, they're being affirmed they're making a sequel to that game. And the people also think because they hired such a high prolific actor um, to voice, he's now going to be a freaking superhero in Marvel. Or no, no, I'm, I'm thinking of somebody else. But still, my point is, is the kid they hired, nonetheless, is uh, an important actor, a big up-and-coming young actor. So I feel like they would include him in a future um, property, like live action, potentially. So, Dylan, you are correct in your... Uh, you ate your Wheaties today, too. Because obviously I've never played the Star Wars games uh, because I haven't had the system for it. But uh, 
This is from Inverse.com. BD1 may be new to Star Wars TV, but for fans watching through their gaming consoles, Disney Plus app, his appearance was like seeing an old friend. BD1 was the droid sidekick to Cal Kestis, the Padawan forced into holding or forced into hiding after Order 66 and protagonist of video game Jedi Fallen Order. Together, Cal and BD sought out a holocron hidden by BD's old master, Jedi Eno Cordova. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. <laughs> you already last time, isn't know. I think that's we, how it always goes. We went goes like 45 minutes and we were at like Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Yes, it was BD1, now Star Wars canon in the live action shows. Because Cal would still be alive because he was a Padawan. He just wouldn't be young anymore. He'd be an older man. He would be similar to Boba Fett's age, probably. No, yeah. Which, if we think about it, could he be at Luke's Jedi school? Yeah. As one of, like, you know, teacher type situations. He's like an adjunct. He's kind of yeah. a student, but also kind of a teacher. Kind of a student because, you know, his uh, his his lessons got interrupted by genocide. But, you know, it's all right. He's the history teacher. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened in my day. Back geez. in my day. <laughs> I was learning how to strike the lightsaber and then someone killed everyone. <laughs> and then he just falls asleep at the podium. Yeah, I see some shit. <laughs> just like basically the equivalent of a Nam vet, but for Star Wars. Yeah, back in Nam, back in Order 66. <laughs> I mean, that's rightfully so. It's a relatively traumatic experience. Uh, so with Mando's help, as well as assistance from several droids and the local Jawas, which I think for the first time, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we saw their hands. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the line that homie homegirl dropped. I used to date a Jawa. Jawa, and she speaks fluent Jawa. Uh, but did you notice their hands? They were furry. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen that before. People, people. There's a lot of like weird drawings, and people think they look certain ways. I'm not even going in that rabbit hole. Uh, you and I are both known Jawa haters, so I don't care what they look I kinda, like. I kind of got down with these two Jawas, though. They were pretty funny in this episode. No, they're, they're, those those guys are funny, but as a whole, the Jawa yeah. community. It's kind of like the same energy for me. I'm driving my pod racer, my speeder, like similar to driving a car, and I see a squirrel. I'm going to try to avoid it. 
I'm not car- crashing my car to avoid it. Right. Same energy. If I see a Jawa in the middle of Tatooine, I'm going to try to stop, but I might hit him. I might run him over even. Valid. Actually, uh, I run him over because the cars, the, the vessels, vehicles float. So he would get hit initially. So, you know, my, my power guy. I'm also wondering if one of those Jawas was Pelimoto's ex. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to think about that, but probably. <laughs> so, uh,. They're able to get the Starfighter into working order. <laughs> During the test flight, Din's speeding earns him the attention. Uh, before we even get to this part, Din, like, going through the desert on Moss Eisley was amazing. Like, him kind of just, like, navigating through it brought me back to, like, the prequels of Star Wars when Anakin's riding that thing around. Brought me back to the Clone Wars when they're riding those things around. I was like, wow, this is such a, a throwback, nice little nod to like hardcore Star Wars fans where he's turning the ship sideways, going through craters. I was like, this is great. Now that's pod racing. <laughs> that's pod racing, baby. Uh, I, I was going to say it. So Din blasts up. He goes into you know the stars and everything. He goes off world. And uh, his man child here, by the way, because what you're about to say, <laughs> his speeding earns him the attention of uh, our old friend, Captain Carson Tiva and Lieutenant Reed, who I learned not our friend who we saw in last season, uh, but the other guy who initially stops him and was talking to him. He was the stand in for uh, Luke Skywalker in the season finale of the Mandalorian season two. So like the body standing there that they yeah. put Mark Hamill's face over. That was the guy who was also in the, uh, That's the cool. X one, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, so they inquire about some of Din's past activities around Navarro and his sudden sublight speed boost is trial enough for the new ship. And they're like, your voice is pretty familiar. Did she used to fly a razor crest, which is also pretty interesting to me the way they worded that where it's like, he said a razor crest, not the razor crest. Uh, so there could be like multiple razor crests out there. Unless he breaks this one, I don't think he's going to want anything else. This thing, this puppy. This thing is like a Lamborghini. Is it literally? My, yeah, my man's got a sports car. He's got he's got the acceleration. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Din's new ship. It makes more sense to me. Like the gunship makes sense if you're going to be a kind of bounty hunter, like mm-hmm. a menace to society. Like a like an earlier Django or Boba Fett with the <clears throat> the slave, which Boba they are renaming. By the way, I learned uh, it will no longer be called Slave One. Yes, I heard, I saw that too. Um, well, like if you're a smuggler, William Falcon, yeah, it was just fast. It was fast. It had it had some like defensive capabilities, but the whole thing of that was how fast and how agile it is or was. So it's like with Din's new ship. It makes sense because it's got it's a star. It was already a starship when it was made, and it has hyperspace in it, hyperdrive, mm-hmm. and she decked him out. So, big fan. It looked awesome. Did you, did you notice the cockpit in the back? Because she took out the droid thing. So yeah, there but there was still kind of that bubble there. Yeah, but the droids didn't have the bubble before on the older ones. I believe they just sat in space like they do on all the Republic mm. ships and like the Clone Wars and we all know what that's for. Grogu. Yeah. hundred percent. She probably made it like a little tiny section. It's like three feet tall only. 
yeah i was like oh that's what that's for that's i guess for... that's a drawback though you just our joke just made me think i guess the only drawback of his new ship is it's not friendly to having more than one passenger if that's a backseat mm-hmm. so then uh when din returns to moss Eisley, he finds fennec shand waiting for him she has a job offer providing muscle for boba fett the first time we have Boba's name mentioned in this episode. Uh, Mando is willing to do it for free, but first he says he has to pay a, a visit to a little friend. And we cut to credits. Um, this episode was awesome. Uh, obviously, huge Mandalorian like fan service across the board. A lot of catching up and a lot of gray area filled in from the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. Uh and the action, the the gore from the earlier portion of the episode, to then a ton of fan service with the N1 Starfighter and all that good stuff. Like, this episode packed a punch. Um, and obviously, next week's episode, you and I are going to be very excited for as well, because it's the Dave Filoni episode. Uh, so a lot of stuff's going to go down. But overall, uh, what did you make of this episode, Dylan? And then we'll get into our, our rating for this bad boy. Overall, this was my most enjoyable and favorite episode of the series thus far. Um, I think it's going to do well when you look up ratings, and uh, I like the I like where it puts us. It puts us in a situation in which we should see the Mandalorian again in this series. Um, it also puts us in a situation where if we don't see him again in this series, we'll see him again with with Boba Fett in his mm-hmm. own series as well if they want to tie that together. Um, and I just liked, I liked the building they did. Like you said, they filled in some, uh, some gaps in Mandalorian's history. And then they brought it back and they linked it to current day where we are in the Boba Fett show. And I, I enjoy, I enjoyed that thoroughly. Yeah. Big fan of just how they kind of like let things unravel in this one. I did miss, uh, Boba though. I wish he was kind of somewhere in this episode. I wish he would have like shown up with Fennec and not just Fennec Shan showing up by herself, but, uh overall i think this episode was was big time baller i feel like a lot of people were you know stoked for this episode to drop after you know the little music subtlety uh in last week's episode at the end uh but overall dylan for this chapter of the book of boba fett nine out of ten there it is ladies and gents (laughs) i'm a simple man you can start singing the song uh no Simple. No, uh, seriously, you give me you give me Pedro Pascal, I'm gonna like the project. You give me Pedro Pascal, as arguably, and I'm a big Boba Fett guy. The Mandalorian, Din Djarin, might be one of the might might be like my top five Star Wars characters ever. Probably top three, and he's new. So mm-hmm. let that sit in. You know what I mean? Like let, let that resonate. I'm already crowning him top five, top three, and he's only been in Star Wars for what two years, three years. Right, like f- relatively new, uh, and then we've got the uh, the Rotten Tomatoes critic consensus here. Uh, Return of the Mandalorian throws into sharp relief how much more interesting Boba Fett should be as a protagonist, but the unflattering contrast doesn't make this interlude any less thrilling or welcome. Uh, and the Rotten Tomatoes score we'll get into after, but I'm gonna give this one. Uh, I'm gonna give it like a nine. Like a nine four, uh, just seeing Mando back, seeing him using the dark saber, seeing the armorer back, 
uh, seeing Pat Vizsla in this episode was very, really, really cool. The the N one Starfighter being his new ship, I think, is really badass. And this episode was kind of just like, here's a here's a nice little appetizer to the Mandalorian season three as well. Um, and we know next week's episode is going to be that much more incredible with with Filoni at the helm directing that one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give it a nine four. You give it a nine flat, which for the people at home that are the math wizards, uh, we aren't. So uh, we add that score up <laughs> and then we do a little division by two. That's a nine two overall for the people at home. The average rating on Rotten Tomatoes out of 11 ratings is 7.6 out of 10, but 100% certified fresh uh, on the old Rotten Tomatoes. I also don't know how Tamira Morrison's given a, uh, credit for this episode, but he does. So get that bag, King. I think um, people are basing their rating on what they've seen as a show, and they're and they're kind of like, and rightfully so to some aspects. I understand why they don't like the show so far, but this was great fan service. And normally, fan service isn't a good thing, but it can, it can get too too uh, too, too much of fan service. I guess is the best mm-hmm. way to put it. And it's like ugh. Uh, but no, it was just like the great amount, and it made sense to the plot. Like the they, characters have interacted and helped each other, and everyone likes the Mandalorian. So I don't understand why people are being a little hesitant to give it a higher rating. But to each their own. Uh, I personally just enjoyed it. I love, I love Pedro Pascal's char- characters. I mean, Kyle knows. I've said it before on the show. Sarah knows. It's a Kyle's sister. Oberyn Martell was my favorite character in Game of Thrones, played by Pedro Pascal. Oh, uh, guess what? There's a show called Narcos I liked. One of my favorite characters was Pedro Pascal. <laughs> There's a common theme here. Dylan's ready for the last of a series because Pedro Pascal. The only reason Dylan watched Wonder Woman 1984 was Pedro Pascal. Uh, I didn't even watch that, to be, to be frank with you. <laughs> you didn't miss much. I have been told by many. <laughs> Uh, so that is our Book of Boba Fett Chapter 5 review. And now it is time to get into... Do you want to do... <laughs> do the dance for him, Dylan. No, I, uh, I feel like by the end of this uh, this season, you're going to have the full dance nailed. But it is our Peacemaker Episode 4 review, powered by our friends over at Pickup. Go to pickup, playpickup.com. Start building up your fan profile by playing the hottest headlines in sports. At playpickup.com, you earn points for every prop bet you get right. It's free to play. Anybody can play. And uh, you cash them in for prizes on that pickup marketplace. So go to playpickup.com now and start uh, playing the hottest headlines in sports with your favorite prop bets. Dylan Peacemaker Episode 4 has gone down. It was quite the episode uh, titled The Chode Less Traveled, uh, directed by Jody Hill. And obviously, uh, James Gunn also at the helm as the writer. Uh, but the show less traveled uh, description here. The group take Judo Master uh, back to their headquarters, where Smith claims that he killed the butterfly. Chase drives Smith to Augie's house to retrieve new equipment, where Smith learns that Augie has been framed and arrested. Uh, against Mern's wishes, and despite Adebayo trying to talk him down, uh, we have Peacemaker going to visit his dad in prison. And his dad threatens to expose Project Butterfly to the police. Adebayo suggests that Chase, uh, to Chase that Smith would be better off without his dad. And Chase, who is vigilante, uh, gets himself arrested so he can go kill uh, Peacemaker's dad. 
Uh, Peacemaker returns to his trailer where he's keeping the butterfly creature alive in a jar and reflects on having to kill Rick Flagg as well as his traumatic childhood that included the death of his brother. In prison, Chase provokes uh, Peacemaker's dad, uh, his prison mates, into fighting but uh, fails to get his dad involved. He is later bailed out by Harcourt and Adebayo finds a lead on the butterflies and informs Mern who, at the end, Dylan is secretly revealed to be a butterfly himself. Shocker! That one had me sitting on my couch being like, no fucking way. I was a little bummed out. I, I very much enjoy his character. He's a good, he's a much-needed asshole in this team of dipshits. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, <laughs> well arguably... Well Team of dipshits is accurate. Arguably, he's the only sane... I mean, even Blondie. Because uh, that, that's like... I, I I thought she was the most capable, but she seems to have some trauma that she's hiding. Um, I mean, you kind of saw it at the very end of the episode when Vigilante is like, or towards the end. Um, no, it's the end, right? No, when did, did he try to kill a dad in the beginning or uh, no beginning? Uh, it was like kind of like the middle. Yeah, when he gets picked up by her in the car, he's like crying, and then you can see she's almost crying. Maybe she's just like em- em- like empathetic in that mm-hmm. moment. Uh, it was just kind of weird though for someone who's gone through how many like she's special. Like she's been CIA, and now she works for Waller's division. So she's seen some shit, and she's killed probably more people than uh, I would like to imagine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just interesting to see her. And she literally calls him a psychopath. So Yeah. Uh, but, it's, yeah, it's a team of dipshits. I mean, you have one guy who's literally a psychopath. Although we learn vigilante morally, ethically, uh, in terms of, like, race and stuff, is very open-minded. And that's awesome. I love that. It's a great way for James Gunn to get, like, those kind of topics in and, mm-hmm. and not make too much of it. But also promote, like, hey, like, if you think in a which like a manner in which peacemaker's dad does like that's that's old news and you're dumb and like that shouldn't be thought about i can't even say what vigilante says in the prison scenes because I'm, we'll get in trouble but uh beep 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 those beep. are some of the funniest lines i think i ever heard in my adult life in terms of watching or listening to stuff <laughs> To get the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Yeah, this episode was absolutely crazy, bonkos, batshit, insane. It was all over the place, dude. It was just all yeah. Like- a lot of cra- and also you're really starting to feel bad for John Cena's uh, mm-hmm. character. Yeah, this episode was great. I think I feel like it was the perfect like mid-season episode. Obviously, we got three episodes all at once, but like for this to be the fourth episode, uh, I thought it was a perfect like middle-season uh, episode. But uh, absolutely insane. I'm loving this show. I can't wait to see uh, where things go. the The Judo Master thing. Um, is where I'm like kind of trying to figure out, you know, everything with Mern being a butterfly. Um, because he, in the episode he goes, you know, it, pro- butterflies aren't what you think, and then Adebayo shoots him. Uh, but 
I feel like Mern might be like secretly like a good butterfly, where like in Marvel you have like the good scrolls. Yeah, I've... that's what that's what Tyler and I, my, my brother, we were saying. Like maybe some of them are not evil, some of them are lesser evil. Maybe mm-hmm. like maybe like Judah Master and the senator that they killed, because uh, he's like, wait, you don't understand. Maybe they were two of the better ones. Same thing with Mern. Maybe he's a good one, or maybe Mern's the evil one, and the other ones are good. That could also be true, which would be because Suicide Squad often does tasks that aren't morally even considered to be to be right. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Project Starfish and Suicide Squad. Their only mission was just to allow them allow the USA to not be tied to their dirty secret. Right. Um, so my point is, Amanda Waller is not one to. She says she does stuff for the best interest of her country, similar to how Peacemaker says he kills for peace. But there's a difference. Amanda Waller is it, she might be on some kind of spectrum in terms of like psychotic or psychosis, but which they do bring up in this episode. When Adebayo like, kills her first person, like she's feeling like bad about it. And it's like it's a good thing you have feelings because if you didn't, you'd turn into Amanda Waller who just has no morals or anything. I have a theory about that though. I'll say that in a second. Um but my, my point is like you don't know what Amanda Waller's real intent is. For all we know, she knows the aliens don't pose a threat. Like mm-hmm. maybe if a, if a butterfly goes in like my head or your head, mm-hmm. maybe those people live to like 90 or 100 and they live healthy. Like maybe it actually improves their quality of life. I mean, probably does. We saw that homegirl who Peacemaker hooked up with. She was freaking running through walls and shit. Sign up for the Olympics, dude. Um, Got milk. <laughs> So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. And really, besides the emotional traumas of all this, all, so the, of all the characters, this episode sets up a couple of things, in my opinion. It sets up a redemption arc for Peacemaker. And I say that because every superhero needs a supervillain. We see a supervillain's suit, and a supervillain is in jail, soon to be let out when he spills the beans on his son. So who better to be his first villain than his own father mm-hmm. and i yeah. think i think he i think he kills his father but i also think he doesn't i also saw someone's theory um when they're like complaining about like the best friend they're talking about it and john uh the computer guy it's mm-hmm. like how oh, vigilante is not his friend he's like what do you mean he's like just clarifying if someone kills his father his best friend would be eagerly so I think that's James Gunn's sick way of foreshadowing that the eagle is going to kill his dad. Mm, I like that. I think that's just up James Gunn's alley of like whack job, like crazy, like plot twist. And then I think thirdly, I've kind of hinted at this before. So Abadayo and um, I can always forget Peacemaker's actual name in the show. It's something Smith. Chris Smith, R something Smith. Uh, I'll pull it up right here. Yeah, because I always, I always like, I know it's John Cena. I know it's Peter yeah, Cr- Christopher Smith. So he is on the spectrum of one who shall not be like deemed a good person because he morally has kind of is a grade in killing people, mm-hmm. but he's getting morals again. And I think Miss Waller's daughter is on the opposite side. I think she's getting a taste, and I think whether she can stop it or not, they're going to go like this. They're going to pass each other and go. Mm. Think about it. She manipulated, without her even realizing it, well, she realized it, she manipulated her own wife into coming all the way down there 
to only in the same episode tell her to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of messed up. I understand there's like risk and safety, so I get it. She manipulates Vigilante to go kill his best friend's father. Mm-hmm. And then we see her shoot a guy. And all things considered, she did show remorse. Um, not she, she in like an hour. It seemed like she was she was Jay chilling. <laughs> not to mention, Peacemaker did have a point. The fight he wasn't like getting his ass beat. It wasn't like a typical scene where like a movie like where Kyle is strangling me, holding me at gunpoint, and then a third party has to make the difficult shot. They were mm-hmm. like kind of just sparring and wrestling, and then she shot him. He was actually ta- he was actually mid talking too when she shot him. So that's also people are theorizing maybe she knows more than she's letting on, and she didn't want she didn't want Smith to learn. Mm-hmm. Point is, I think her character is there to be likable and enjoyable, but I think she's shifting closer to being her mother. I don't know if she'll get there in the show. I hope she doesn't because I hate Amanda Waller with every ounce of my being. Um, but I think if Amanda Waller has a kid. It's kind of hard to not end up being like your mother, whether you mm-hmm. want to or not. You know, you just—it's something you're gonna have to. The the shoe is gonna fit, whether it fits comfortably or it's forced on. Right. So it's gonna be interesting. Obviously, uh, our peacemaker reviews are a week behind because they come out on Thursdays, uh, and we record on Wednesday nights. But overall, I, I think this was the perfect mid-season episode to kind of set up what's gonna happen on the back half of the season. Uh, I did have a fun theory that I came across on the interwebs that James Gunn has openly said he doesn't want anybody skipping the intro dance video uh, with the theme song and everything. Uh, You know, he kind of wants it to be part of the show almost, so you guys shouldn't be skipping that. But I saw somebody, I think New Rockstars, it might have been Mastertainment MT said it, or somebody, I forget who, uh, but they said... What if the the intro, because of the way some people enter with the dance moves and everything, it's very, like, systematic, it's very, like, robotic. What if that's kind of just a hint that, like, though everybody's just going to end up with a butterfly inside them? Because the map in the one episode shows there's butterflies everywhere in the world, uh, and this is just kind of like a, a subtle hint at that, and everybody's just going to end up with a butterfly one way or another. I like that theory too. I just don't think they'll do that because unless we are shown and proven that butterflies can exit the human like painlessly, it looks like they're in their brains. So I feel like after they leave, whether whether or not they give you superpowers and make you like a better person and you don't have to eat and they have no ulterior motives, um, it still seems like they have to leave via one way, the person dying. And like I said, if they didn't leave via the person dying, I'm not sure they could leave because they're in your brain. Also, we know how Natty works. Unless these dudes are like ninjas and they <laughs> slide up in there, quite literally, because apparently they go up to your ass. <laughs> um, they're not that tiny. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hit shit on your way up to your brain. Mm-hmm. So like is this like I don't want to say like vampire, but like you get what I'm saying. Are, are these people like actually? Excuse me. Like, are they alive, but like not mm-hmm. technically alive? Like, as soon as the thing, like, let's say you could take the butterfly out, right? Like, harmlessly. Like, I could go boop, get it out, put it on the floor. Is that person, the vegetable now, like, can they not exist? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's, that's gonna be something that we need answered. 
Yeah, uh, especially with Myrne now being a confirmed butterfly. Yes, and if they can, uh, that can be answered. And yeah, we we don't know how he got butterfly. Um, We're talking about off camera. A lot of people, myself included, I like to think that he got it when he goes unconscious, when he dumbassly walks towards the explosions. I mean, there's literally Mm -hmm. a whole song saying, cool guys don't look at explosions. Uh, He did. Didn't not a cool guy. Didn't no, not a cool guy. Not a cool guy. Um, but homeboy gets rocked, flies back on a couch like this, and is laying on the ground for quite a while on uh, monitored because the girls are trying to get into that weird mm-hmm. plastic glass alien substance. Which side note, when the cops responded to that the next day, I want to know what the hell they were like sneaking. It was like <laughs> basement. Was not ordinary unless right. I the house. Um, point is, like, I think one of the ones, the the uh, butterflies from the mother or the two children, the as John Cena would say, the one normal one and the one <laughs> ugly looking one. I think one of them possibly climbed into Mur, whether it's through his ear, mouth, nose. I don't know, but I don't know how that works. Um, but then people like you, you're also you also brought up the point. Maybe he was the butterfly all along. Uh, and that would be a cool twist too. Mm-hmm. It seems like my one my my, uh, my one friend who watches the show made a good point about that theory. Though, if he was one all along, then that proves that they have different mindsets, or he's playing the biggest fuck you prank in the world because he could easily just slit all their throats in their sleep. If he was a butterfly all along and they had true evil intent, wouldn't be hard to take out Obadiah or the. I can't, I can't think of it. I always put your name. But wouldn't be wouldn't be hard to take out Waller's daughter or John Economist. Um, Peacemaker, he would struggle with, but if he's sleeping, it doesn't matter. And same thing with the blonde girl. She goes to the bar. So my, my point is he could easily dispatch of them. And if he's a butterfly, he has super strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out uh, in today's episode, if you're listening to the podcast. But as we record this tomorrow's episode... What would you give uh, the show less traveled on the uh, the old rating machine? I'm gonna go with nine again. I mean that show was really good, and I really like the episode. I, I, I probably should go higher. It's just I went nine with the other show. I'm gonna stick to my guns, but genuinely, I am enjoying Peacemaker. Uh, up, up until this episode of Boba, uh, I was enjoying Peacemaker more, and it's ironic because that wasn't even a Boba Boba Fett episode. It was a Mandalorian and Boba Fett yeah. episode. Um, that's, that's no knock. That's no knock. I never. I'm not knocking the show. Kyle and I would never do that unless it was that bad. But we mm-hmm. haven't luckily watched anything that was that bad. I'm just saying that Peacemaker is much more my speed. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give this episode of Peacemaker. Um, I'm gonna go like a nine one. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and you know, we'll see. I, like I said, it was the perfect. Mid-season episode, the title's hilarious. The chode less traveled. Um, and then I also am on the Rotten Tomatoes page for this deal, and I have the titles for every episode the rest of the season. I can read them off to you if you would like. Yeah, go for it. Uh, and then for the people at home, also the quick math there. Uh, for the overall rating for this episode for Dylan and I is a 9.05, which rounds up in my book to a 9.1. Uh, so nine one for episode four, the Chode Less Traveled of Peacemaker. But the remaining four episodes, uh, so Thursday's episode this week, January twenty seventh, is called Monkey Dory. <laughs> which, if you remember Wait. from 
episode four, the gorilla got out of the zoo, which is a big time villain in Peacemaker uh, in the comics. There's a a gorilla that's a a villain. So we might see that happen. He's a villain with quite a few superheroes. He fights off against a Flash a lot, too. Right. He's a big time Flash villain where I think a butterfly is going to go in this gorilla. And that's what gives him like the the powers almost. Um, oh, like you're saying that's what like you're saying it was a regular ass gorilla and then yeah. butterfly and then it's like I am a gorilla grad, I am a genius, right? Uh, so we got Monkey Dory on Thursday, then February third, episode six, Mern after reading, episode seven, stop dragging my heart around. And then episode eight, the finale, it's cow or never. Okay, so episode eight has a cow in it. And Mern might be dying in... Or not dying, but like we're going to learn about his character more in that one. And then episode seven seems like we're going to have a big time showdown with the White Dragon and Peacemaker. With Stop Dragging My Heart Around. Uh, But I'm excited to see uh, old Monkey Dory on Thursday which we'll break down next week. But Peacemaker, our episode four review right there for you, powered by our pals over at Pickup. But Dylan, it is time to hop into the streaming platform multiverse. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. news and notes around the streaming platform world and there's quite a few topics to uh to talk about this week we've got another uh another story another podcast quote from somebody who's kind of making a making a name for himself on this show where we bring him up a lot now and uh that's our guy peter dinklage uh apparently disney with their you know full force um you know, live-action remakes of original classics. They are doing Snow White soon, uh, which I didn't even know about until I saw this Peter Dinklage quote. I didn't know about it until you told me before we pod right now. <laughs> yeah, so Peter Dinklage was on the WTF podcast, and there's a quote here about him calling out Disney Snow White remake, saying, you're still making that fucking backwards story about seven dwarves living in a cave together have I done nothing to advance the cause from my soapbox? And Peter Dinklage, like, he is, like, the guy in terms of, you know, just having, like, equal opportunity and everything for little people, for, you know, dwarfism and, and being an advocate and being, like, that face in the, the celebrity sphere and the actor sphere, the Hollywood sphere. Um, he full-blown called him out. And, you know, to regress almost, in a sense, where you're going to put the dwarves living in a cave in this live action remake, it's it's a slap in the face almost, and I totally understand where Peter Dinklage is coming from, uh, you know, with his concerns and his his frustrations there, uh, and then you have Disney obviously doing what Disney does, walking it back and and 
putting out a statement to, uh, you know, kind of temper the waters and everything where they're now saying they're after seeing his comments, they're going to reevaluate the, the path that they're going to take in this movie. And they're going to consult, you know, people in the dwarfism community and everything. But it's like, you should kind of know going into this, like what you're doing sounds super fucked up and on paper alone. And it shouldn't have been the case to begin with, but I, I'm glad Peter Dinklage is doing the damn thing. And what he says is, is law. So shout out to Peter Dinklage for doing his damn thing and just keeping on fighting the good fight for the Kyle, little people. I will tell you this. If you ever eventually, not anytime soon, because I know you, you were kind of like people in your house were crazy about it and you didn't want it. <laughs> If you ever seriously, like, genuinely just, like, at a casual pace, try Game of Thrones, just just get through the first couple episodes. Because of the man you just said, I full-heartedly, full-heartedly know if you ever watched that show, minus the last season. You can skip that. I promise you. I'll give you a five-second recap. Uh, that's how that uh, – Do-do. Everything, everything else, you would you'd fall in love with Peter English's character. I mean, I love him from Marvel alone. I mean, his character is a, a wise ass who gets drunk a lot off of fine wine and likes to find his way into the company of beautiful women. Uh, granted, often he pays for those beautiful women, but, you know, he's got money. So it's just a very interesting character, and it just shows the range of an actor, and it also shows, because in the show, he's often called a dwarf, because, you know, especially in that time frame, um, someone being that tiny and stunted of growth, that's not going to be something that is probably treated equally, more so like it is today. Um, but my point is his character stands up for himself then, and I like how he also doubles down, rightfully so, and stands up for himself as a person and his fellow community. And he's just advocating for better things. And I like how Disney basically got you know caught with their pants down, and they're like, oh, we're going to change it. And he's like, damn right you are. Yeah, so according to uh, The Hollywood Reporter, this is the quote that came out from Disney. Quote, to avoid reinforcing stereotypes, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. And then uh, The Wrap reports that instead of dwarves, they will be, quote, magical creatures. Uh, so a bit of a change up there. Shout out to Peter Dinklage. Uh, speaking of Disney, though, Dylan... Something you're very excited about. A lot of people are very excited about. Uh, it has officially been greenlit. Percy Jackson and the Olympian series for Disney Plus has been officially greenlit. Rick Reardon on board with the project. Obviously, the movie back in the day stunk because he was not involved with it. He's going to be involved with the series, which I think is going to make it a gazillion times more watchable and entertaining. Uh, and I'm very excited to see the path they take with a Percy Jackson series as opposed to yeah, a movie. Yeah, they, they haven't revealed any of the actors they've casted for that, right? That's no, true. I think now it's now that it's greenlit, they're going to start all of that. So okay, I would that's assume... something I'll be curious about because they genuinely casted some terrible choices for the, the, other, the other movie. Mm -hmm. And the script and the acting, it was just like... <laughs> so... And they didn't even follow the books, too. They did, like, jumping and weaving. Like, there's parts of it that it was, like, reading the book word for word. And there's parts that would be, like, if I gave you a copy of my Percy Jackson book with, like, fucking 12 pages missing. And then you, like, nonchalantly were like, yeah, I love that chapter. I'm like, what happened, Kyle? Um, 
well, they're fighting this guy. And then I turned the page. And See, what had happened was. They were eating breakfast. I don't know. I guess they won the fight or something. Like, just, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's my childhood. I read, I read all the books. There was quite a few. And they were very good reads. Uh, but. We'll definitely be talking about that show on this sh- on this podcast for sure once it's out uh, on the Disney Plus platform. Uh, sticking with Disney Plus and kicking it back to Star Wars a bit, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead has been cast in Ahsoka. Don't know if there's an actual role for her yet, but big name prominent actor for everybody at home in our age demographic. She was in everybody's favorite superhero movie, Sky High. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, like a whole bunch of movies. So very excited to see uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead coming to the Star Wars universe. Um, we also have a trailer dropping on Sunday, Dylan, for a show you're very excited about. The Halo series coming to Paramount Plus. We're getting a trailer on Sunday. Oh. Can't wait. And uh, I know you're pumped about that. We also have... A new, even though it's uh, you know it's January twenty sixth, so we have about eleven months until Christmas. Um, but Chris Evans is joining The Rock in a action adventure holiday film for Amazon called Red One. Uh, so two badass uh, action aficionados teaming up in a movie for Amazon, which you and I have both been on the record. Amazon rarely misses with their projects, so. They definitely, yes, I definitely agree. Also, Kyle, random side note: this is more for you or anybody and listening right now who likes sports. I just I was scrolling through Twitter to see if I could find more news for us right now, and Kurt Warner's son is committed to Temple University. Kurt Warner movie getting good uh, reviews as well. Yeah, uh, I, only, I only bring it up because I believe his son, yep his son's a quarterback. Huh. Maybe he'll star in the sequel, Kurt, Kurt Warner movie. I'm just saying, if he messes around and wins a championship for them, we're not committed long term and quarterback a couple years from now to anything. That's like that's like a that's just a match made in heaven. But uh, I, I digress. He's gonna be bagging uh, groceries at the local shop right when he goes. To He's bagging groceries at uh, the local Whole Foods, <laughs> and then 27 year old, what's his name? I'm gonna Google this. Is, <laughs> I just had it. <laughs> 27-year-old Elijah Warner. Eli Warner. You want to Uh, to play for the Eagles' son? Yeah. Coming coming to a streaming platform near you, Invincible 2. (laughs) Warner Jr. leads the Eagles to another Super Bowl. Mark Wahlberg stars in Invincible 2. But then... Unfortunately, not not life threatening, but he gets an injury, and the Eagles sign Nick Foles, age sixty five, off <laughs> off the streets. Uh, another thing, I, I forget if you watched this one, Dylan, uh, but this was a, a big popular going into it type of movie. Uh, Mortal Kombat number two is yeah, in we, development. We, we reviewed it, didn't we, in the pod? I never watched it. I think I talked about it then. But yeah, yeah no, I think I, you I, saw I it. it. Uh, so yeah, Mortal Kombat 2 is in development, uh, which is very exciting. Um, do you want a good laugh, Dylan? I'm always down for a good laugh, sir. So remember back in school when you had the D.A.R.E. program? Yeah. They are calling out everybody's favorite new show, Euphoria. Uh, because for the people at home, Dylan and I have not watched Euphoria. I have been recommended to watch... Lick. 
euphoria by I'm a kind of number of people. I heard a lady on the news. Uh, there was not the news, the radio. One of the radio shows I listened to in the morning. She's like around our age. She was like, yeah, there's almost too much nudity. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I heard they sling a lot of peen. There's a lot of drugs. Uh, and Dare has called out Euphoria saying, Euphoria chooses to misguidedly glorify and erroneously depict high school student drug use, addiction, <laughs> anonymous sex, violence, and other destructive behaviors as common and widespread in today's world. That's not good, Kyle. <laughs> That's not good. I hate to break it to Dare, though. Euphoria is not the reason that all of that is happening in today's world. Wasn't Dare proven to be anti-effect, like like the opposite? Like it was like, hey kid, don't do this drug, and it showed a kid smoking pot, and then inherently kids were like, I want to smoke pot now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, and then I think one of the last things we'll talk about too, as we record this on uh, January 26th, crazy to think that it's been two years since Kobe Bryant passed away, uh, along with his daughter, uh, Gigi and, uh, you know, a lot of people don't sometimes forget because of how prolific a basketball player he was. Kobe was also an Oscar award winning, uh, you know, short film director with uh deer basketball um so you know it's he was been two a talented years. man who was robbed of his twilight years he was going to, he was going to contribute more as a man as a member of society uh after his basketball career i think that's something that's overlooked or underlooked i you know he just just recently retired like he didn't mm-hmm. like it to explore explore his uh life after basketball there's a life after sports. We see it all the time. A lot of them go into being announcers or they go into organizational roles in sports teams. Mm-hmm. Some of them go to write books. Some of them go to write movies. Some of them could be actors. You know, like we've seen the, the possibilities were endless. And he was a talented enough man where he could do anything he set his mind on. So yep. it's uh, definitely the world still mourns his loss. The loss of yeah. So uh, we miss you, Kobe. And, uh, Everybody should go check out Dear Basketball. It's a very good short film that Kobe was uh, in charge of. And then the final thing we talked about before we started recording that I was kind of intrigued by, and Dylan's definitely intrigued by, Guillermo del Toro has a a film coming to Netflix in December. He has his own spin on Pinocchio coming out. Uh, And there's a voice cast listed here that includes Ewan McGregor, Yes. Tilda Swinton, Kate Blanchett, Christoph Waltz, Tim Blake Nelson, Finn Wolfhard, David Bradley, and Ron Perlman. That's like an all-star cast mm-hmm. of like different proportions. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. And speaking of Ewan McGregor, too, uh, we'll wrap on this. I was talking to our, our trusty pal and film reviewer, Christian, the Wiz, uh, and they were talking about, you know, mutants and everything with Multiverse of Madness and who do you cast? And obviously, you and I have said for uh, Doctor Doom, we'd love to see our guy, Mikey Fassbender. Um, but obviously, with, you know, the Fox X Men stuff, more and more stuff. Ah, we're going to see. We're going to see the boy. We're going to see him. We're going to see him one way or another, either as Magneto or as Doctor Doom. But and he you brought and I up. are going to live react, and we're going to do the. 
he brought up an interesting, you know, person who could play Doctor Doom besides our guy Fastbender, and he said Ewan McGregor. I guess, yeah, I guess. I wouldn't hate it. It just it has to be someone that doesn't look American. Mm-hmm. I, it's not offensive, obviously. It's, it's comic it's, accurate. It's true to the character. I mean, you can get away with changing the skin color or possibly the religion of a character, but I, I do feel like certain characters you do have to abide by some things. So in terms of... It doesn't matter if it's a man who is of darker or lighter skin persuasion. It just has to be a man that does not look like he was birthed in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. You, like I think you'd agree with that, right? It's fair to say for the character. Yeah, hundred like percent. It's it's just the same thing. Like if you if you cast a Tarzan actor, you don't want to get Michael Sarah. <laughs> you know, it's just you, you got. Can I use your brain? Can I use your noggin a little bit? I just thought of one that could be pretty interesting. I forget if we brought this up. How would you feel if Rami Malek was Doctor Doom? That fits the bill. He's literally got the look of you definitely were not conceived in the United States of America. His um, parents are both Egyptian. Uh, yeah, his parents are both Egyptian. And uh, he's also got some Greek in him, but he was born in California. But both of his parents immigrated to the States from Egypt. And, you know, I think he's also one of those guys that's on the upswing from, you know, his his big time debuts. You know, when we saw him across the board. Um, he's been up and coming for a while now. He's had, yeah. he's had he had the new James Bond project as a villain. Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously. And he had um See Aladdin. The Mr. Robot TV show. Apparently yeah. that's done really well in terms of reviews. Um there was a video game on PlayStation a couple of years ago. He was like a character in it, but it was like motion capture, so it was his it was his face, it was him. We had him in Night at the Museum, obviously. Ah, it's a classic role for him. Um no, but point is like I don't disagree with that. That's a good call, Kyle. I'll have to think about that. That's the same thing with like they're trying to like cast the new James Bond. I haven't seen the new one, and that's a heated Neither debate. Like I don't care. Like as long as he's the only same thing. How I just said the thing with my Doctor Doom stipulation. Guess what? The only stipulation for James Bond is it has to be British, mate. <laughs> I don't want an American playing James. Make Bond. him bloody British. Or I guess technically Scottish, because what's this? Um, uh, uh, oh my God, who he just passed away recently? Oh, Sean Connery. Yeah. He, he's not British, but my point is it has to be someone naturally that speaks the language in terms of like has an accent. Um, mm-hmm. But you have tons of choices. You have Tom Hiddleston. You have uh, Henry Cavall. You have uh, Idris Elba. You, you know what I mean? Like You could do a dude from Daredevil's British. You could, the list goes on and on. Another guy I just thought of for Doctor Doom too is uh, Mina Masood played aladdin in the live action aladdin i'm sick that'd be kind of dope um but you know we'll keep everybody up to date with everything and obviously next week 
We'll have more Book of Boba Fett, the Dave Filoni, much-anticipated episode. We'll have Peacemaker and Dylan. We'll also have a chance to talk about our guy, Willem Dafoe, hosting Saturday Night Live, because that's going down this Saturday. Uh, so we'll talk all about that, plus whatever pops up in the streaming platform, Multiverse. And uh, you guys should be following us on the socials, especially our main account, at Underground PHI. we got a big old announcement coming on Friday morning. Plus, we have the Underground Sports Philadelphia Hall of Fame coming out, which I believe next week, Dylan, we should kind of go through uh, a fun little year in review for yeah, streamer season because next week when we record on Wednesday, it is the anniversary of us debuting streamer season during the Super Bowl uh, with our commercial that we launched to say, hey, we have a new podcast coming to the network. So we have a nice little anniversary recording session of streamer season so we might do a little, you know, trip down memory lane, some fun, you know, award-esque, you know, top five-esque of everything we've done in 2021. Uh, and, of course, the Underground Sports Philadelphia Hall of Fame ballot will be live for everybody on our Twitter uh, on Friday as well, plus a huge announcement coming on Friday. So you don't want to miss that. At Underground PHI, follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at StreamerSZN. Uh, follow Dylan at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you felt about this episode of the Book of Mando Fett. Uh, Peacemaker, everything going on in the streaming platform, Multiverse. And, of course, as Dylan and I always say, leave suggestions of shows and movies you want us to watch and review uh because we'll do it you get first dibs yes. if you leave it in the podcast reviews. let us know like tell us if you have our personal number text us you want to dm us dm me uh like, and even if you do leave it as a podcast review too yeah then no, you'll get yeah, full-blown first dibs promote promote the uh the show as well in that regard but yeah do both but point and is the more people that leave reviews and everything the more the show gets found with the algorithm and, the and of more course Dylan's uh, gonna buy something stupid again exactly so go to uh apple podcast you know, over there. they do make dark saber reproductions i saw that and they also sell dark saber lamps that i've been thinking about getting for the studio so and i do want a mandalorian helmet gotta make it happen they have, they have one with a little flashlight on it, bro. Let's see. Uh, not, that I, not that I would look at anything like that. So we are officially at 24 five-star ratings and reviews. We're at nine overall reviews that are five stars. Uh, so get us to 50. That's the next threshold. 50 of them bad boys. And I'll buy um, something. And, of course, leave the five-star ratings over on Spotify. And check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Big See, yeah, I, I was gonna say when you think about it, when you're listening to us, you giving us the positive reactions um, that we hope we leave you with in terms of like ratings and reviews, you're helping me. You're enabling me be a super nerd, and I mean, from one nerd to another, or one casual streamer to another. I mean, that's that's all. That's all I ask for. <laughs> Give exactly. me a reason to spend, and who knows, like. We can potentially, as we get more involved and people start interacting more, Kyle can put up polls on the on the Twitter account, mm -hmm. the Bird app, and then I can I'll let you guys choose what I buy. I mean, I may regret saying that, but I'll do it. Yeah. So uh, follow us on the socials. 
let's let's get this thing cooking and uh of course big thank you to our sponsors tomahawk shades go to tomahawkshades.com promo code usp for 25 percent off at checkout uh get those ski goggles they are live ready to rock and roll uh and our promo code is active on them so usp at checkout in the promo code tab gets you 25 percent off at tomahawkshades.com stateside urban craft vodka get the surfside iced teas at statesidevodka.com you got to be 21 or older to do so and of course please drink responsibly and kenwood beer dylan's favorite beverage of choice to drink while he's watching peacemaker Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who has Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And linked in every podcast description, use our uh, affiliate link. We're working on getting the promo code, but use the affiliate link uh, right now at Bino Boards to uh, help support the show. But uh, this has been another episode of Streamer Season, the exclusive Streaming platform, TV and movie podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For Dylan, I'm KB, and until next week, this is the way. Keep the night.